Our Heavenly Father, uh, like the psalm said, we pray that we might delight in your word tonight, uh, that we might be people who love to meditate on your word. So help us to do that together now. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Well, as uh, Troy alluded to before, I always count this Sunday as the official first Sunday of the year. This is the uh, Sunday after the Australia Day public holiday. It's when everyone sort of gets back from holidays and church really gets underway for the year. Uh, Normally, I would be standing here with my tan from my week at the beach. That's a joke. I don't tan at all. I'd be red. Uh, But uh, sadly... Like many of you as well, I've heard, I've spent the last three weeks in isolation, so I only uh, got out of my house on Tuesday, a couple of those weeks with COVID. Uh, So I don't know about you, but I don't quite feel like starting the year yet. I want to go on a holiday. Uh, So I'm not quite ready for a normal start to the year. I'm a bit weary. Uh, It's a bit like we're not sort of ready to start another year with COVID. Uh, But of course, as annoying as it all is that many of us lost our summer, And can I say, if you got to go away for a couple of weeks and go to the beach and that sort of thing, don't come and talk to me after church tonight. Just keep that to yourself out of love. But uh, uh, as annoying as it is that many of us lost our summer, uh, it doesn't change the wonderful reality of how good it is to meet together as God's people. Uh, It is wonderful. It doesn't change the fact that we actually have so much to be thankful to God for. God is still good, no matter how uh, your year is starting or my year is starting. And so I want us to start the year thinking about what we need to do and what every one of us needs to do to start the year well. And that means I want us to think tonight about God's Word and especially to think about how you and I are going to make God's Word central to our lives this year. Uh, So for our final talk in our Summer in the Psalms series, but also as sort of our first talk to kick off the year... I want us to think about what it means to delight in God's Word. That's our heading for tonight. What does it mean to delight in God's Word? So if I asked you, do you love God's Word? Uh, Assuming you are a Christian, I think I would get two answers from you. The first is the theoretical answer I pray that every Christian here uh, would give me if I asked them that question. They would say, yes, of course. They'd say, this is a, the, the Word of God. It's, it's inspired. It's God-breathed. This is where I meet Jesus, my Saviour. This is where I learn about the love of God. It's where I learn about grace. It's where I learn about mercy. Of course, I love God's Word. I pray that that is every Christian's intellectual answer, if you like. But then there is the how I'm feeling now answer. And that changes over time. And we all know this to be true. If you've been a Christian for any length of time, you know there are times where you would say, yes, it's not just in theory for me. So I'm sure there's people here now who say, yeah, I can honestly say I love God's word. I, not just in theory, I, I, I get up every morning and I read it. I, I can't wait to get to gospel team to read it with my brothers and sisters in Christ. In fact, I hate January because gospel teams aren't on and I'm not meeting and reading the Bible with enough people. I love coming to church every week and hearing the sermon. But others of us perhaps don't feel like that right now. Or we've gone through times where we don't feel like that. We're not as fired up for God's word. We love it in theory, but we actually struggle to read it and our Bible stays closed, sitting next to our bed or wherever it sits. We lack the motivation to open it. I think every Christian I know goes through times like that. And for some though, what's really sad is those times become normal. Those times become all the time. 
which is why I want us to turn to Psalm 119. So come there now. Psalm 119 is famous for lots of reasons. It's famous because Troy preached a section of it a couple of weeks ago when I was away. Uh, But it's most famous because it's the longest chapter in the Bible. Uh, But it sort of cheats to be the longest chapter in the Bible. Uh, It's actually 22 Psalms all put together, one for each letter of the Hebrew alphabet. But every one of those 22 individual poems has the same theme. They are all about delighting in God's word. Now, we're just looking at one of them, number six. So if you look above your verse 41 in your Bible, you'll see the Hebrew letter Vav there. That's what the letter that every verse of this one starts with. It doesn't quite work in the English, but if you knew your Hebrew, you'd, you'd follow along. But what all these Psalms together do is wonderful. And, and so this week, I would love it if you sort of inspired by tonight, if you actually went and sat and read all of Psalm 119 in one sitting. So all 22 of these little short Psalms, because what they do collectively is really wonderful. What they do is, first of all, they teach our brains. So it teaches us about God's word. It teaches us why God's word is so wonderful, why we should delight in it. But then more than that, and this is what poetry does, it's why the Psalms is part of the Bible. It moves our hearts as well. See, this psalm is aspirational. It actually says to you, I want you to feel this way about God's word as well. It sort of drags your heart along to follow and catch up with your mind. It it, it helps your heart catch up with, with what your brain knows to be true. So my prayer for us all tonight is wherever you are at at the moment, whether you're someone who's loving God's word and is in it all the time or someone who struggles to read God's word, I'm praying this psalm might push your brain but also your heart to move towards delighting in God's word more and more. And perhaps that might help us start some good habits for the year ahead. So why do we delight in God's word? Well, this psalm has four headings. I'm going to, well, four headings I've drawn out of the psalm. The first is, verses 41 and 42, God's word shows us God's faithful love. So look with me, verse 41. It says, let your faithful love come to me, Lord, your salvation as you promised. Now, when you're reading your Old Testament and you see that that phrase, faithful love, it's not just meaning God's sort of general love. It's not just meaning God is nice, God is kind, God is is good. It's a translation of a specific Hebrew word, hesed is the word, and it means God's covenant love. It means the way God makes promises to love his people and the way he always keeps those promises. It's about the specific promises God has made in his word to love his people. And so that's why it's tied here, do you see the second half of the verse, to his salvation that he has promised. Because that's what God's covenants are about, how he is going to save his people, how he's made those promises. So this psalm is a prayer that the person writing it would know and experience God's saving, wonderful love. Now, we experience God's love in all sorts of ways. The fact that the sun came up this morning is because of God's love. The fact that you woke up from your sleep this morning is because of God's love. You you, you get little answers to prayer all the time that are because of God's love. This is more than that. This is about God's great fulfillment of his promises to all humanity, including you. See, for the Old Testament writer of this psalm, he knew about God's faithful love because he'd read the rest of the Old Testament. 
And so he'd read the book of Exodus and he knew God had promised that he would save his people out of slavery in Egypt and then he came and did it with incredible miracles. He knew about how God had taken them and given them the promised land and put them there and given them rest from all their enemies. He knew about how God had stayed faithful to Israel despite Israel sinning and sinning and sinning again. But he was still waiting to experience God's faithful love. Do you see that? How he's, he's saying, let your faithful love come to you. He's still waiting for it. You see, he's waiting for the promises, the rest of the promises of the Old Testament to be fulfilled, for God's salvation to come. He is waiting for the forgiveness of sins that's been promised. He's waiting for a new heart that God had promised his people. He is waiting for rest from the pain and the struggle of this world that God had promised. He is waiting for God's salvation. But for you and me, for us in the New Testament, how much more do we already know the faithful love of God? Because we know his salvation has already come, hasn't it? He has sent his son Jesus, he's revealed himself once and for all, and we know that Jesus is the yes to all of God's promises from the Old Testament. We know our sins are already forgiven by his death. We know that we have the absolute certain hope of eternal life because of his resurrection. You know God's faithful love already if you trust in Jesus. And because of that, you should know that whatever happens to you in this life, we are one of God's forgiven children because we trust in Jesus. We should know that whatever happens to us in this life, we will live forever with God in his new creation where there will be no more pain and no more sin and no more suffering. And it is God's word that has revealed that to you. It's God's word that reveals God's faithful love to us. And it's God's word that reminds us every day of God's faithful love. And knowing that faithful love of God means then we are not rocked by whatever this world throws at us. We're not thrown by whatever our world thinks about our faith. Look at verse 42. He says, Then I can answer the one who taunts me, for I trust in your word. This idea of people taunting Christians and saying, uh, you know, mocking your faith is is not a new idea. 3,000 years ago, there were people who mocked you for listening to God and his word. I opened up the newspaper yesterday and I turned to the sports pages. You'd think that'd be a pretty safe place to read. They're not going to mention anything in that. But even there in the sports pages, the person found a way to say, anyone who believes in religion is a fool. In the sports pages of the newspaper, taunting me for my faith. See, this is the person who says, why do you need an imaginary friend in the sky? It's the person who scoffs at the time you give to Christian service. Why do you go to church every week? It's the person who who, who thinks you're wasting your money when you're supporting gospel work. And the thing is, when we stop listening to God's word, and when the faithful love of God sort of recedes into the background for us, suddenly those taunts impact us. You see, when we're not in God's word, and when God's faithful love is not at the forefront of our mind, suddenly we start to wonder, are they true? Are their taunts true? Is it worth it following Jesus? But when God's word is in our mind, when we know the faithful love of God, well then taunts are like water off a duck's back. See, we can answer the one who taunts us if we know God's word. 
We can answer the one who taunts us if we trust in God's word. And that's his point in verse 2, if you look there. He can answer the one who taunts him because he trusts in the word. So verses 1 and 2 are speaking from like a position of strength. This guy's in a really good place. He knows God's word. He knows the faithful love of God, so nothing will rock him. And that is wonderful, and that is true. What I love about this psalm, and actually what I love about all the psalms, is that it's really realistic. Because he knows you won't always feel that strongly. And so he prays that he might persevere in trusting God's word. So my second heading tonight, a prayer that we never lose our delight in God's word. See, the writer of the psalm doesn't just want to know God's faithful love now. He wants to keep trusting it forever. And so that's what he prays. Look at verses 43 and 44. He says, never take the word of truth from my mouth, for I hope in your judgments. I will always obey your instruction forever and ever. When he says there, never take the word from my mouth, I think we might say, Never let your word get out of our minds and our hearts. You have to understand, they didn't live in a world where everyone had a Bible to read for yourself. The way you got God's word in your head was through your lips. They recited God's word till they learnt it off by heart. They sang it together at the temple or at the synagogue. So when he says, never take the word from my mouth, it's a way of saying, never let me forget your word. Never let there be a day where God, your word is not in my mind and on my heart and on my lips. He wants God's word to be driving his thinking and his decisions, not just now, but always. And I reckon that prayer, look at it again, verses 43 and 44, shouldn't that be our prayer every day? That God's word would be in our eyes, that God's word would be in our hearts and on our lips, that we would read God's word daily that we would get together to hear God's word each week, that we would listen to God's word forever and ever. Which leads to the third heading in the psalm, uh, and that is that God's word gives us confidence to live for God. This is verses 45 and 46. When you know God's word well, and when you love it, and especially when you know God's faithful love, when you know Jesus, it is incredibly liberating because you stop caring what this world thinks about you. There's actually a direct relationship between how much God's Word is filling your mind and your heart, how much you are knowing God's faithful love, and how much you care what the world thinks about you. You see, if you know the faithful love of the God who created the universe, what do I care what that guy in the newspaper thinks about my faith? I don't care at all. He's a fool. If I know the love of God in Christ, what do I care what this world says to me? I don't care at all. I just want to live for Jesus. And so that is the freedom and that is the confidence that verses 45 and 46 are talking about. So look there with me. He says, I will walk freely in an open place because I seek your precepts. I think the picture here is freedom and courage to walk even when people are bombarding you even when enemies are against you See, whatever the world thinks you walk with freedom and certainty if you know God's word you don't doubt what's right you know how to walk the straight path you know how to live it's funny how people think God's word is constricting 
Lots of people think, I don't want to become a Christian because God's word will limit me. God's word will control me. God's word will constrict me. It might limit what I want to do. I want to tell you, actually, God's word is liberating because what it does is it frees us to live how we've been designed to live. It frees us to live how we're meant to live. I remember one of those little golden books. Anyone else have little golden books that your parents read to you when you were little? And uh, we had one for the kids. I don't know if it ever got past Sam because he used to tear them up and that sort of thing. It's pretty terrible. Sorry, Sam. But uh, it was about a train that wanted to be free from its tracks. And, and do you remember, anyone else remember this little golden book? And, and the train said, I'm constricted by the rails and I want to go over the mountain and I want to go over the sea and I want to go over the meadows. And one day it got its wish and it broke off the rails and, and went out over the countryside. And it was great at first until it ended up bogged in the mud and all the flowers that it had wanted to see were all wrapped around its wheels that couldn't go anymore. And the little train realised, I need to be saved because I actually need someone to come and get me and put me back on the rails, which is how I've been designed to live. Now, I don't know if it was the point of the little golden book. It seems too much of a Christian analogy that the writer wasn't a Christian sneaking a Christian message in, but I don't know. But that is the reality of people who walk away from the word of God. That's the reality of people who say, I I don't want to be constricted by the word of God and and I want to try out the world, if you like, like a couple of the guys before shared in their testimonies. We set off thinking, how great is it to be free? But actually, we just end up messing up our lives and messing up other people's lives as well. Because God's word is what we need. God's word is good for us. Because God loves us, so of course his word is good. It shows us how to live a true and fulfilled life. It helps us to walk how we are designed to walk. God's word gives you true freedom, freedom to be what you're actually meant to be. But especially it gives us freedom to speak words that honour God. And that's verse 46, look there. He says, I will speak of your decrees before kings and not be ashamed. When I read of that verse, I can't help but think of Jesus in the Gospels when he's falsely accused and he stands before Pilate and he stands before King Herod and he is not ashamed. He stands there and he just declares God's word as his defence. Or perhaps the Apostle Paul as he stood before governors and emperors and all sorts of accusers and how he was not ashamed because he had God's word. And he could declare God's word. There's one great story in Acts where the, the governor says to him, you're meant to be defending yourself, but you're trying to convert me. And the Apostle Paul says, that's exactly right. See, we read before our, our second reading, the end of Stephen's story in Acts chapter 7, how they threw rocks at him to kill him. And he just stood there and took it. And he wasn't ashamed because he just kept declaring the truth about God to them. He knew God's word. This is the thing, if you know God's word, and especially if you know the faithful love of God, what does it matter what the world throws at you? And they knew God's promises. That's why they could do that. Not many of us will get to speak God's word to kings. I pray some of you get that opportunity, that some of you get to preach God's word to kings. But every one of us have chances to stand up and share the truth about Jesus and not be ashamed. When the person at work or at school or at uni or wherever asks, why do you go to church on Sundays? That is your opportunity to not be ashamed and say, it is because I love Jesus. 
When the conversation comes up over dinner with friends, why do you spend so much time, uh, you know, serving at church? Why do you teach kids church on a Sunday morning when we're all at the beach? And you say, because I love Jesus and I want you to know his love too. We have the chance to speak. We have the chance to not be ashamed. And when we are tempted to be ashamed, when you're tempted to worry about what the world thinks about you, God's word liberates you. Because God's word shows you the faithful love of God. It gives you the confidence to stand up for Jesus. It gives you the confidence to do what the Apostle Peter calls on us to do. Excuse me, in 1 Peter 3, it'll come up on the screen. He says, always be ready to give a defense to anyone who asks you for a reason for the hope that is in you. Basically saying, always be ready to tell people about Jesus. Because he is the reason you have hope. And it's God's word that gives you that confidence. Which brings us to the final two verses and my last heading. So the fourth heading, how could we not delight in that word? See, if God's word shows us God's faithful love to us, and if God's word liberates us to live for him and to honour him, then how could we not delight in it? That's actually the logic of this little psalm. It's all about getting to these final two verses. Look at what he says in verse 47. He says, I delight in your commands, which I love. I will lift up my hands to your commands, which I love, and will meditate on your statutes. God's word is not something to be reluctantly accepted. I I meet too many Christians who have this sort of attitude that God's word is something they sort of take like bad medicine. They know it's good for them, but, but they don't feel like it is. God's word is to be delighted in. God's word is to be loved, it's to be meditated on. God's word is to be read, it's to be thought over, it's to be shared. That is the picture here. But what I love about this psalm, look at those last two verses again, is he's not commanding us to do this. He's not saying you must delight in God's word. He's just assuming you will come to feel this way if you spend enough time reading God's word. See, this is the way we should think about God's word. I said at the start, this psalm is aspirational. But what if we don't? What if intellectually we know that God's word is good and true, but we don't feel like this guy does here? Well, the funny thing is, the only way to get the right attitude to God's word is by reading God's word. You don't come to love God's word more by by wanting to love God's word more. You grow in your love of God's word as you read it, as you meditate on it, and therefore as you come to know God's faithful love more and more. It's only the word of God that creates that delight and the love in God's word that this psalm captures so wonderfully. It's like a spiral. As you you read God's word, you actually grow in your love for God's word and you want to read it more. And then you grow more in your love for God's word and you want to read it more and you just keep reading it. And I love it when I see people on that upward spiral. I see it often in young Christians. I often see it with people who I do the uh, intro to the Bible course with and, and they, they learn how the Bible all fits together and suddenly it sort of opens up for them. There's one person in one of our morning congregations who did the intro to the Bible course over a year ago with me and still every Sunday he comes and tells me something new he's learned from God's word. And his delight in God's word just sort of bubbles out of him. 
It's just so obvious and, and, and so wonderful. But sadly, in my experience, I've also seen people in the downward spiral. And this might be you. Where they feel spiritually dry and the one thing they need is God's word, but they don't feel like reading it, so they don't open it. And so they spiral further down, they feel more spiritually dry and they feel further and further from Jesus. And the one thing they need is to read God's word, but I don't feel like reading it. So they just spiral further and further and further away. Sometimes the only thing that keeps that person connected to Jesus is coming to church with other people open God's word for them. But you don't want to be in that position for any length of time. You see, I want to encourage you, if that is you, the only way out of that spiral is to crack into God's word. There's no other way. The only way is to get past your feeling of spiritual dryness and open up God's word and start to read it even when we don't feel like it. And so as I finish, in the light of this psalm, I want to ask us all to think about this year ahead, 2022. I'm actually going to get you to do some work now. Uh, I want every one of us right now on our own to think personally and practically about how we are going to work at delighting in God's word. Everyone take out your weekly snack you got on the way in. We're going to actually use our feedback slips for the first time in about two years because we worked out that touching things doesn't give you COVID, it's not wearing a mask apparently. So, so we're allowed to use feedback slips again, isn't that wonderful? Now on those feedback slips, I've got options there that I think cover everyone. I think they cover everyone. So the first person I want to talk to you is you are someone who regularly already spends time in God's word, then praise God. And I want to say to you right now, why not take a moment to pray that you might be able to continue in your good habits? So I pray there's lots of people here who at the moment think, yep, yeah, I'm, I'm loving God's word. I'm spending time in it regularly. But you, what I want you to do is write a word of encouragement on your feedback slip. It was so exciting this morning. I got all these feedback slips with people telling me wonderful things they've learned from God's word lately. So that's what I want you to do if that's you. But if you are someone who doesn't spend time regularly in God's word, I want you to think now about why not? Why is that? And let's see if we can do something about it this year. See, first of all, it might be because you do not yet know the faithful love of God. Perhaps you're not yet a Christian. Well, if that's you, I want you to sign up for the life course right now and start the journey of actually coming to know Jesus as your Lord and Saviour. So there's a tick box for that on the feedback slip. I would like to do the life course. But for many of us, is it because you struggle to read God's word? See, I actually talk to uh, lots of Christians who their problem is not motivation. They want to read God's word, but they're not naturally readers and they try and they open God's word, but they find it so hard, they sort of give up. I want to say, if that's you, I want to help you get better at it. I don't want you to just say, I'm not a reader, so therefore I'm going to miss out on delighting on God's word. I want to help you or have other people help you. And so there's a tick box for that. I'd love some help learning to read the Bible. I want you to tick that and then Troy or me or Avril or someone can get in contact with you and chat about how we can help you with that. For others, though, it's not a skill thing, it's a motivation thing. We, we just struggle to prioritise it. I want to help you with that as well. Uh, I'd love to talk about whether there are ways to get into better habits of Bible reading. 
And so there's a tick box for that. I'd like help making better Bible reading habits. Do you remember last year uh, in our, when we had snack at home on the video? And one week we had Pastor Kev, who's up the back. Pastor, does anyone remember the video of Pastor Kev and his heavy weightlifting program with his Bible? And I thought it was a bit of a joke when we did it. But actually a heap of people got into contact with Kev after his ad saying, if you want better Bible reading habits, come and talk to me. And there's a heap of people in our church who got in contact and now are better at reading their Bible than they were before. I want that to be not just the few people who get in contact with Pastor Kev. I want that to be everyone in our church. And so that's why there is a tick box for everyone on there. Don't be the person who just says, oh, I can't be bothered. See, we want to turn our good intentions or even our bad intentions into good habits. I'd love it if everyone ticked one of those boxes and took some practical steps this year in growing in our delight for God's word. Wouldn't that be great? And then you can put them in the box at the back or you can put it in the box in the foyer. I want you to take some time before the end of the service to fill that in and just to say, yeah, I want some help in that way. That's how I want to grow in my delight in God's word. But now what I'm going to do is I'm going to pray psalm 119 for us so let's pray heavenly father we ask that we would know your faithful love better and better the salvation that you have promised so that we can answer the one who taunts us for we trust in your word and father never take the word of truth from our mouths or from our minds or from our hearts for we hope in your judgments we will always obey your instruction forever and ever We pray that we would walk freely in an open place because we seek your precepts. We pray that we would speak of your decrees before kings or whoever and not be ashamed. Father, we delight in your commands, which we love. We lift up our hands to your commands, which we love. And we pray that we would meditate on your statutes. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.